0: Hey everyone, this is Chris Sands and welcome to TechGC's podcast, Good Counsel, where we explore the most important legal issues affecting today's technology companies. If you are interested in further education around innovation and law, we are constantly pushing insights, news, and opportunities on our LinkedIn and Twitter. Otherwise, you can check us out on our website at techgc.co. This is part one of our Autonomous Vehicles series, where we look at the implications of self-driving technology on society, government policy, and on the tech ecosystem. My guest today is John McNellis. John is a law partner at Fenwick & West where he chairs the Autonomous Transportation and Shared Mobility practice. John has been representing venture-backed and publicly traded tech firms for over 20 years as a patent attorney, and in this conversation we focus on the issue of cybersecurity as a threat to the autonomous vehicle industry, why it exists, and the necessary role of key AV players in advancing autonomous vehicle adoption. With that, let's tune into my convo with John McNalls. John, thanks for coming on the podcast. I want to talk about cybersecurity and autonomous vehicles because we see that there's a lot of attention drawn towards the safety of maneuvering these self-driving cars. Can they take turns correctly? Can they follow stop signs? Can they do all these things that humans can do behind the wheel and better? But we don't really see that much attention on the threat of cyber attacks. You can imagine with a sort of network system of self-driving cars that are all communicating with each other, if there are vulnerabilities in that system, then a foreign adversary, for example, can do serious damage, shutting off brakes, manipulating the car's core functions to cause them to wreck. Can you lay out some of the cyber issues that surround AV and why they exist?
1: There are a number of issues. I just saw the other day that there's actually a known risk from ISIS that they're working on weaponizing self-driving cars from NATO. NATO made that observation. Obviously, that brings it to another whole level, but it doesn't need to be even a nation to nation or terrorist type of organizations that are the problem. It could be just everyday hackers. It could be something where companies are going after each other to try to disable vehicles, maybe not put people at harm, but just to cause problems. But the bigger issues are that the cars are already networks. And what the autonomous vehicles are doing are just making more throughput through the networks and making it more connected to the outside world. They have a lot more information that they are using and getting based on sensors and then vehicle to V to X. So Vehicle to anything remote, whether it be to other vehicles, to smart city and infrastructure, to remote coordination in the cloud with regard to getting additional information. So there's a lot of information. Then you have the network ports even on board. And one of the problems is that as the autonomous vehicles become more complicated, there are more third parties that are assisting and providing software to solve various issues. You know, how do we do recognition of objects? And so. There's there's software that can go in and help do that. There's software that helps with the communication between vehicles. And the best way to do that communication is separate communication protocols and software that is used to transmit information to remote servers that then can do some number crunching and send things back. And every piece of software is a potential point of attack. And while the OEMs are obviously spending a lot of time trying to regulate and make sure everything's done properly, as we see with just our phones, it's hard to get everything right. It's hard to find the vulnerability. And while the vulnerability with your phone is, okay, maybe there's a crash and attack and it's very annoying and maybe get some ransomware, which if it gets on your computer system becomes another level of annoyance and potentially can cause some damage. It becomes much more prevalent on a vehicle. Imagine getting ransomware on your vehicle and maybe you're stopped and that's a problem. Maybe you're going and it's even it's a scarier problem. You're traveling and you know now you don't have control that you have to PayPal some money in order to get back control of your car. And we have the problem with the testing and even with good testing that you can't always get it right just because of the nature of software that you don't know exactly. When you change one piece of software or you add a piece of software, it oftentimes affects what would initially appear at first blush to be an entirely isolated and separate part of software. But there's a connection and it's kind of like, I think of it as Joe. I was a programmer, it was a jello. It was you kind of mess with one part of the software and it affects the other end in ways that you wouldn't expect. And so the cybersecurity issue Thank cool. you. Because of the ramifications of them being so serious are presenting major issues. And there's so much focus on just getting the autonomous vehicles up and running and operating in different scenarios and addressing things like how does it operate in snow when the lane markings aren't there? And how can we make sure that we're platooning when we have trucks on the highway, how can we make sure that that's working properly and safely, that there's a lot of focus on making the cars become more autonomous and more conditions than they are, but there doesn't seem to be as much focus on cybersecurity aspects of it, because that's typically kind of an after-fact. Once you've kind of got your solution set, now you're worried about ways that people can attack it. And it's something that NHTSA, the National Highway Transportation Safety Authority, is thinking of, but they're doing it in a way that is pretty hands-off, actually. They're coming up with ideas of, let's have companies share things that they have found where they've identified vulnerabilities. And you know, so then everyone can learn from that. But they've made it all voluntary. And the benefit of that is you're going to get more buy-in, potentially, of the people there because it's less expensive. The negative is by making voluntary, you're not going to necessarily. Get everyone. I don't think this would be something they publicize to everyone. It would just be amongst the companies, too, in order so that everyone can get the benefit of okay, here's what we found in terms of vulnerability and here's how we fixed it. And now you guys can do the same thing just because someone's trying to hack it. But with any type of testing of software, no matter how good and strong your testing is on your software, and even if you have people whose job it is to try to hack through it, there are going to be bad actors who are going to find a different issue. Just with any new version of software. There's new issues that pop up. So it's going to be a continuing issue. But in the short term, there seems to be a lot of focus on, again, making things operate in more scenarios, more environmental scenarios, more geographic areas. And with that much focus on expanding the use cases and bringing in third-party software, there isn't the urgency, at least not publicly, to really focus on the cybersecurity aspect of it?
0: So, given what we saw in 2016 with Facebook, the data leaks, and the profound backlash that occurred afterwards, you can imagine that a lot of these AV companies understand there is a business case for getting ahead of cyber issues. At the same time, you have a significant profit incentive to get to market the fastest, use as many third parties as necessary, and deal with the cyber issues later.
1: I absolutely agree. I think most companies are responsible players, and they see. The bigger picture that if we go too fast and we don't pay attention to this among other issues, the backlash is going to push us back years in terms of public acceptance. Most larger companies that are spending their time and their effort are responsible players and are thinking through making sure that everything's safe. And I think as more cybersecurity issues are brought out, we'll be thinking of this but there are players that don't have on whether the luxury or don't care and or just want to try to get first to market or have pressures of the company's going to go under if we just don't go and put something out and that's where we're going to run into issues both on the safety side generally but also on the cybersecurity it's going to be easier to determine whether a vehicle, if you this thing about safety, is able to operate on a road. You're going to find that out in a matter of weeks. It's going to take longer for somebody to figure out the cybersecurity weaknesses. But once they do, the ramifications are going to affect the whole industry. So the solution would be maybe expanding the collaboration that NHTSA is suggesting and maybe having a group of companies form a standard where everyone is going to agree to use something similar. And again, try to get that ecosystem being similar so that if there is an issue while it affects more companies, it's going to be more quickly plugged. And by having more eyes, because it's one single architecture in terms of the security aspect of it, it could prevent or reduce the number of vulnerabilities that the network will have. Other possibility is, you know, again, instead of hanging that voluntary, that NHTSA actually require it and bring these companies together and come up with something. Again, NHTSA hasn't been, I think for good reason, has tried not to be heavy handed on this and wanted the industry to police themselves. But if there are some bad situations and any bad situation for autonomous vehicles is high profile, as we've seen, any crash or death is front page news. So any type of cybersecurity breach will be front page news. Then the government will react. So it seems like, it'd be better for companies to get ahead of this than in reactionary mode when the government is going to feel obligated to do something.
0: So this leads us to an interesting sticking point, right? because while we all want to preserve a competitive landscape to drive innovation forward, there is that essence of isolated competition that could potentially harm the entire industry. You can imagine if there's one slip up that leads to a major government clampdown. How would AV players together think about setting a coordinated standard that would benefit the entire ecosystem?
1: If a standard is set for the type of network. And it may be along the lines of, okay, we want to separate the physical network that's controlling essential versus non-essential operations in the vehicle. And what does that look like? And then the API calls, the API information. So it would be both hardware and software. If we could agree to a standard for how those operate. That would reduce the number of vulnerabilities because we'd have so many more people working on it. The negative is one vulnerability would affect everything, but it also makes it easier to plug those holes because you're going to have a lot more people looking at
0: them. Got it. And so to close the discussion here, what are some of the other issues around autonomous vehicles that people aren't really paying much attention to?
1: A few areas that people aren't as focused on is related to what the government is going to do and what the cities are going to do to try to gain control of their cities and skies in the case of drones. Los Angeles is taking a lead and is thinking serious about this because they are very focused on the 2028 Olympics. And some business models that are dependent on the existing and current mentality of what can be done, kind of the wild west area. Cities are starting to think about what they could do to gain more control. And because their constituents are demanding it, or if they're not demanding it now, they will demand it when 50 drones are going over their head every hour. So the cities are starting to think about that. So that's an area. And related to that are, are general regulatory issues. Right now, most of the regulatory issues are dealing with testing. And what's the best way? The federal government has been very quiet. They've been some bills that kind of was going through Congress last year and didn't get through, although it went further than most expected and will be reintroduced again this year. But uh, Congress has not taken a lead on this. So it's really gone down to states and more so than even states. It's gone down to municipalities in terms of just allowing different testing down here in San Jose. San Jose has a test bed on one of their streets where companies can do certain things. Other areas, obviously in the Phoenix area, they are allowing a lot of testing of autonomous vehicles. So the municipalities are taking the lead in terms of what they're allowing. And that's an issue that most companies are trying to figure out.
0: This has been part one of the Autonomous Vehicles series. Stay tuned for future episodes weekly by subscribing to Good Counsel through your favorite podcast app. Once again, I'm Chris Sands, and thanks for tuning in.